Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Hello listeners, it's Adrian here from Arcade Attack and welcome to another interview special. And on today's show, I talk to Chris Wrigley. Now his back catalogue of games is quite honestly staggering. He's worked on Batman Returns, James Bond Jr., Gauntlet 2, Rock and Roll Racing, The Lost Vikings, you name it, he's been involved in the programming. He also talks about his latest game, Immortal Darkness, which is a Great homage to classic dungeon crawlers. So please enjoy this great listen and let me know what you think. Right, so Chris, thank you so much for being on the Arcade Attack podcast. We've had you before uh, on a, with a text interview, I think a couple of years ago now, but it's great to speak to you. Um, yeah, well, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, talk to you about stuff. Excellent. I'm really excited to hear about your, your, your latest project, your latest game, Immortal Darkness, but we can, we'll hold fire for that for a little bit if that's alright. We'll come, come to that towards, towards the end if that's alright. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to start with your, like, what was your earliest experiences, your, your favourite memories while growing up with gaming? Was there any particular games you loved as a kid, for example? Um, yeah, I mean, well, probably my earliest gaming experience was playing one of those old plug-in TV consoles. I remember them back in the day. This was at my mate Gary's house. We used to run back from school dinner at dinner time at school uh, to his house and, you know, just pour over this tiny little plastic box, you know, that uh, put pretty pictures on the screen, on the TV screen. Yeah. It was very fancy. You know, it had paddles and joysticks. I have no idea what the brand was, but it had, a you know, a couple of game modes with dozens of variations. Yeah. Most of them being like maze games and pong and stuff like that, but I, I was completely fascinated. I was like nine or ten years old at the time, so you know this was like a I don't know. It was it was very science fiction and uh, intriguing to me. Yeah. And yeah, over the following years, I guess I had, a, I had a few occasional encounters here and there with early games and game systems, uh, but you know nothing. To hint at my eventual career, you know, making games. Yeah. Like, uh, I remember playing an original Pong on a school trip to London, um, in a hotel lobby in the 1970s. It was this huge cabinet the size of a wardrobe, you know, and it was, again, it was, it just mesmerizing. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was no real thread for any of this. I mean, uh, there was nothing. It was all very random, you know, playing on my mate's binatone with his light gun, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, you know, playing Space Invaders for the first time at the youth club in Derby, you know, and, like, hearing the sound effects for the first time. And I had no clue that it was, you know, it was ever going to lead to anything, um, you know, to do with games. But it seemed to be inev- inevitable, really. Um, everything just slowly moved me towards. My interest grew and grew. And... Um, you know, as uh, as I got more access to more games and play more games, I just naturally started trying to figure out how they worked and wanted to make my own. So, um, yeah, I don't, 
Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think my experience were particularly unique though. You know, I think they parallel most young boys at that age. Yeah. Uh, you know, working my way through TV, early TV consoles to coin ops, and then to home computers. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think I had a similar upbringing. Really, the the old spectrum for me personally, then moved on to the Amiga and consoles. So it was right. a great great time. Um, I'd love to know, obviously. You're a fan of games before, and you actually, how did you enter the industry? What was the first opportunity, and what, do you remember the first game you ever worked on? Um, well, I don't know about opportunity. I mean, everything's just kind of been accidental. I mean, back yeah. then, you know, if you made a game, you were in the game industry. Yeah. You know? And it was easy to make games if you, you know, if you had the the inclination. I mean, the first game I ever programmed. Well, I mean, I programmed lots of little things, obviously to start with, but the first game I ever programmed that got published. It was just a silly little text adventure game called Pub Quest on the Commodore 64. Oh, okay. And uh, I wrote that in 1983. It was published when I was 16. Wow. By, by Dream Software, yeah. And, um, yeah, so it, not really an opportunity as such. It's just inevitable, you know. And yeah, after that game, I, I went to college and tried to learn some stuff. Uh, but I was programming. I was obsessed with computers all yeah. the time. You know, it was, I just lived and breathed them. I just, you know, my mind was on them all the time. And eventually I dropped out of college to take a job at Gremlin. Yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, that was when we wrote Boundary. We wrote Boundary in 1985, just, you know, a bunch of us in our spare time. And, and, um, yeah, that was, I guess, my first job and first real opportunity to be a, a proper, you know, programmer in the game industry, I guess. Yeah, Gremlin, one of the most, yeah, really iconic company, brilliant stuff. I mean, I, going back to when you were 16, seeing your first game published, do you remember how that felt, seeing it actually being sold? I mean, it must have been an amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was uh, all pretty quaint and, and sweet, really. I mean, you know, seeing your game in boots and Debenhams for yeah. the first time it was just a trip. I mean, you know, I was I was a kid. I'd, I'd been playing games for a long time and they were exotic and they were, you know, they were written by, you know, people that I didn't know as stars in my mind, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden I've got a game sitting on a shelf in boots and I'd, I'd go drag my friends in and my family in and show them. Yeah. <laughs> all, all very sweet, you know. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an amazing feeling. I bet, I bet. Um, I mean, your back catalogue of games, Chris, is staggering. Um, just looking on your list of games is actually incredible. I mean, you've had such a long and, and successful career. I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to call you a proper veteran, actually, in the, in the industry. Um, what, it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, we could talk. We could spend hours talking about individual titles. We haven't obviously got that long, but um, can you detail your experiences? Um, or is there, is, there, is there a point, is there some games you're really proud of? I mean, how do you reflect back on your amazing career? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time and I think every game I've worked on, you know, they have memories associated with them, times and places and people, you know, good and bad. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to you know, kind of separate them out, but there are some ones that, that kind of stand out. I mean, Bounder, for example, the first game, first real game that I ever did and got published and, you know, got me my first job. Yeah. Um, that's got just, just a staggering number of good memories of it associated with you know i was a teenager i was full of life and energy and uh, you know roller skating and break dancing and driving <laughs> fast in slow cars you know and <laughs> yeah. and then the thrill of finishing the game and sending it off and getting it 
picked up by Gremlin. I mean, mm. it's, you know, it's it really, really uh, positive memories around that. And then, you know, moving on to the games I did at Core and Grem- Gremlin and Core in Derby, and that's all about the people. Yeah. You know, the people I work with, um, like you know, Rob Toon, Andy Green, Terry Lloyd, Dave Pridmore, Stu Gregg, you know, they're all just amazing, talented people. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the camaraderie and the energy, you know, brilliant. Yeah. And a lot of them are still in the game industry doing cool stuff as well. Um, yeah, and then, you know, moving on, you know, like James Bond Jr. was a, a kind of a, a real key, key game for me. That was my first NES game. Yeah. And, and that's all, you know, kind of wrapped up in starting Euricom with Matt Sneap and, and doing just ridiculous things like reverse engineering the NES hardware and, and Japanese manuals, you know, and yep. sitting in the corner of Matt's dad's company's conference room on a cardboard box trying to figure stuff out. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and then moving to America and my first and last Genesis games, X-Mutants and Gargoyles, yeah. uh, respect, respectively, you know, they're all wrapped up with, you know, moving my family to America and just adventure and new sights and sounds and smells and tastes and just insanity. Yeah. You know, who, who moves their family? I mean, you know, I've been married for two years and I had a one-year-old son. I, we came over here with two suitcases and, you know, a couple hundred dollars in cash. I mean, who does that? Who? What company gave you the opportunity to move to America then? Uh, well, actually, my, my buddy Andy Green... He moved out here first for for work, and you know he was like pecking away at me and saying, "Oh my God, Chris, it's amazing out here. You know why are you still in Derby? <laughs> you know, what are you doing?" And um, you know, so I just went and you know talked to his boss, uh, Bob Jacob, and he offered me a job. And things were kind of getting a bit weird at Eurocom. You know, they were going through a bit like a cash crunch, and we didn't know whether we were, we were going right. to actually survive the year. Wow. So I, um, I, I, I took the opportunity and, uh, oh, yeah. Have you, yeah, have you been in America since then? Yeah, 27 years now. Wow. Uh, ridiculous. Yeah, longer than I lived in England. It's just mind blowing, that have, is. Have you ever thought, what, where would your life be if you stayed in England? I mean, would you, you I assume you'd still be in the games industry. But have you ever gave, given that any thought at all? Yeah, I have, you know, not much thought because mm. I'm, I'm not one to dwell on, you know, what ifs and stuff. Yeah. But, Probably I would have stuck with Eurocom, you know. I mean, Eurocom worked out. They got through their cash crunch and they survived it. And obviously they went on to do some pretty amazing stuff. Of course, yeah. Um, so I probably would have ridden that one out for a while. And who knows, maybe start my own studio or something like that. Yeah, but um, obviously no regrets so- at all, though. I mean, America, um, it, it led on to so many more games, isn't it? And so many great opportunities, I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah, no, no regrets. I mean, you can't have regrets. I mean, life, you live it, you end up where you are and, you know, you can't really second guess it, can you? Do you still plus, come? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, plus everything that's happened over here and since then is, you know, it's all part of it. It's, it's some amazing experiences. I mean, granted, I probably would have had amazing experiences there as well, but yeah. who knows? Good stuff. Do you still pop back to the UK now and then? Do you get the chance to come back at all? Uh, not as much as I'd like. Yeah. And I think the last time I got back there was probably five years or more ago now. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a little few, you know, 
a bit of a rare thing. Just too busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, of course. You, I mean, you, the list of games you worked on, you, you obviously, you're very passionate about your career and fair play to you. Um, I want to talk to, a little bit about Batman Returns. I mean, first and foremost, how did you get the opportunity to work on that? And did you, what version of the game did you work on? Do you, do you remember? So I, I get asked a lot about Batman Returns and, it, and it's funny because I actually didn't do anything on the game. I mean, okay. I... John O'Brien did the driving, the 3D driving section, and Andy Green did the platforming section. Yeah. And I was a support programmer on the project. I did all the, the fluff, all the, the cut scenes, and I did all the disc loading and layout. I did all like the, the unpleasant, unromantic, nitty gritty stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I did, that's all I did on the game. Um, okay. and as far as how it came about, you know, back then, the boss, David, uh, sorry, Bob Jacob, he'd, uh, you know, he'd just come into the office and say, hey, hey guys, this is the next project. This is what we're doing mm-hmm. and we just do the game. So we didn't have really much, you know, view into how the things came about. We just got stuff dropped on our desk pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 it is a great game on the Mega CD. I, I know you, you've been, you know, you've been quite honest there, not doing loads of work on it as such, but, how do you reflect on that game? Do you think it's a really good example, I think, of a Mega Drive game uh, that's, that's pushed to its limits and, and given extra additional driving bits to the Mega CD? Was yeah. It, yeah what, what do you think of the game personally? Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, technically, the driving section is stunning. Um, yeah. I mean, I know how they were done. I mean, when I've got the code. Of, you know, I sat there with John you know, when he was working on the stuff. And, you know, what, what he did with that hardware, I don't think anyone's really done or, yeah. or matched it, to be honest with you. I mean, the platforming section was just a plat, you know, that was just regular. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was actually, uh, originally uh, the Genesis version kind of pointed over and, and made to work in that framework. That's actually part of the stuff I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the driving stuff and John O'Brien's skill is just, just mind boggling, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a good coder. Well, I mean, I, my friend Dylan, who's the editor of Arcade Attack, he said it could be its own standalone game. It's just a driving section. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you agree with that, but that, that's that's the kudos that it was given it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a shame that you know we didn't do more with it. I mean, you know, the Sega CD just kind of petered out after that. I mean, certainly, you know, the company we worked for, Malibu Acme, at the time. I mean, they just moved on. They moved on to other things, and you know, we had no. There was no. I guess plan or, or strategy in, oh, let's, you know, take this platform as far as we can take it. It was just a game that came through and we did it. And, uh, you know, it turned out really, really nice. Yeah. Fair play to you. Um, a slightly cheeky question, but was there ever, you mean, you've got such a big list of games. I was, I was wondering if there's one game you thought that maybe it wasn't quite how it finished out for yourself or you could <laughs> possibly go back and make certain changes. Was there one game you think, well, not quite what, what I was hoping for? Oh, God. Um, I don't know. That's, that's a really tough question. It's a bit of a cheeky one, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of missteps, you know, plenty of crappy little games, like like maybe like Satan Greavesy, for example, on the Commodore 64. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that was an aberration. I mean, it was a, a game that I wrote in probably four or five weeks. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and that, it came out, you know, exactly how you'd expect a game written in that amount of time. It was rubbish. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, every game, I guess, I mean, eventually you have to put the game out. You know, it has to go out mm. and it's never done. A game's never finished. There's always stuff you want to do on it or change or there are always compromises, you know, that you end up doing. Um, so, yeah, you're never really fully satisfied uh, with a game. Well, personally, I'm not anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then there are games that are just, that were just unpleasant, you know, just bad projects that you just want to erase from your memory. I remember I did, uh, I worked on a game called Tetris Evolution on the Xbox 360. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a nightmare. I mean, it oh, was really? more than six months of constant brutal crunch on that game. And it literally almost killed me. I got really sick. It took me a year to recover. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it just... So, yeah, that, that, that's an example of a project that would be... Uh, that, that I'd rather have not done. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, I mean, you, you've obviously programmed loads of games. What is it very different to program on a, a SNES or a Mega Drive or a NES compared to a, the Amiga or, or, or the C64? How different is it for the different sort of platforms over the years? Uh, well, you know, programming's programming. Mm. I mean, the language changes, but, you know, the concepts and how you program is, is pretty much the same. I mean, I've got better over the years. You know, my, my techniques and skills and knowledge has improved, but programming's programming. Now, every game system has its, you know, quirks and obviously its unique features and stuff you have to learn and master and, and get the most out of. Yeah. Um, and every every system I've worked on has been that way. You know, there's always a, a time you spend ramping up and learning and pouring over manuals and experimenting, and, and that's a lot of fun actually. Yeah. Um, but you know, when after that initial phase and you like start to get comfortable with the hardware and you've got your your basic framework up and running and a, and a, you know and a, then it's just you're just writing a game uh, and it, whether it's in six five zero two six eight thousand C sharp. C++, whatever, basic, it's all the same. I mean, it's just a different language. Yeah, like it's not. There are some languages that are more fun, though. You know, I'm writing in C Sharp at the moment, uh, having a blast with that because it's just so easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would, if you could recommend uh, someone who wants to get to programming right now in the games industry, would that be the one you'd, you'd say to learn then? Uh, it depends what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's... Oh God, there's just so many tools and frameworks and, and, you know, things out there to help you get started. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like Unity. I work in Unity, uh, in C sharp and it's so accessible. It's so easy, so simple. You can just get on with making a game and you don't have to worry about all the rubbish, you know, all the low level stuff. Um, and that was never the stuff that I enjoyed doing, even though I've done a lot of it. I've yeah. always enjoyed just you know, writing games and doing gameplay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if, if that's your bag, if you want to do games, something like Unity, C Sharp, excellent. Uh, if you want to get into kind of like webby, cross-platform, browsery stuff, then you know, JavaScript, frameworks, all that kind of stuff. That, that's good. That works too. HTML5. But yeah, I mean, you've got nothing but choices. Yeah, <laughs> good, too many. Good advice. Good advice. Um, I'd love to talk to you soon about. Um your own develop, uh, development company, Giant Space Monster. Before we touch uh -huh. on that, um, you've worked for some proper legendary video game developers, Core, uh, Gremlin, you know, just name but two. Um, where was your favourite place to work? Have you got a particular place you thought, this is where I had the most fun? 
and you look back with the fondest memories. Oh uh, yeah, I mean every every place I've worked has had its moments. Mm. Um, I mean when we when we started when we were working in Derby when we did Gremlin Derby and then we changed over to, we you know we converted the office to Core Design. Yeah, I mean that, that was probably uh, probably the most brilliant time working for a company. I mean you know we were we were all just a bunch of kids. <laughs> making crap up and, yeah. and breaking stuff and, and having fun. It was, it was just mental, you know? Um, and yeah, we just lived and breathed games. We were all doing the same thing. We all enjoyed the same stuff. Um, and you know, it's been hard to recapture that, you know, in subsequent years, yeah. you know, because things get more serious and you get more jaded or, or <laughs> cynical. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got all that, that youthful blush, you know, um, but I've had moments everywhere. I mean, Disney's been fun. That was very corporate. I learned a lot there, you know, and probably my, the, my, you know, current project and the company I'm, I'm running right now is, yeah. you know, it's up there, obviously, because, you know, it's, um, it's exactly where I want to be and what I'm, what I want to do. So it doesn't get better than that, right? No, of course. I mean, Giant Space Monster is a great name for a company, by the way. I love it. Um, <laughs> did you always have an ambition to start your own uh, development company? Was that something at the back of your mind for many years, or how did this come about? Yeah, yeah, always. I mean, I've always been entrepreneurial. I mean, I, I opened a comic shop in Derby when I, you know, when I was working at Gremlin. Oh, really? Um, you know, we started Core Design. We started Eurocom. You know, I've always, you know, been interested in in startups and things like that. I mean, when I came over to America and I worked for Acme. Um, after that, you know, we tried to set up some companies. We tried to get some uh, teams together and some money. And, you know, so, yeah, something I've always wanted to do, but it's, it's, you know, it can be tricky, you know, with responsibilities and commitments, you know, realities of life. You, you tend to be pulled in directions that are practical more than, you know, than anything else. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and eventually ending up, I was, you know, uh, being in a position where I had a bit of money and I could actually self-fund something and, and stop working for a, a company and set my own thing up. It was just uh, an absolute luxury and something I've worked towards my entire career, to be honest. Good on Well, brilliant. And I really respect that. Um, you're, you're grabbing the ball by the horns, literally. So I really... I think that's, that's, that's brilliant stuff, honestly. When, when did the company first start then? What was the first project that you worked on for, for that company? Well, Giant Space Monster, we, we started yeah. it in April 2016. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a new company, and, it, and it's just me and my uh, my buddy Damon Dubois, who's uh, my partner in crime. Uh, he's the artist and designer, and I'm, you know, the coder. Yeah. Um and kind of the business and production kind of guy. Um, Dame and I had written a few games before together, and, we, and we'd worked together in the past. In the 90s, we worked at Acme and Malibu together, for example. Um, and we'd always work well together, and we always wanted to you know, write something bigger yeah. and media together. You know, We'd done a couple of small casual games. Um, so, yeah, 2016, you know, we, we were having coffee, and we were... We were chatting and moaning as we normally do about the state of the world and the game industry and why can't we do what we want to do and yeah. we just said, uh, "Hey, tell with it, let's do it," and we did. Yeah, no, pretty respect. 
How did you come up with the name out of interest? Was it, was it, well, how, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was there something funny about it or? Uh, well, no, we, we, we just, we compiled a big list of names we liked and, and this was the one that, that won, you know, and uh, it kind of fit with the tone of the game we want to do. It's, um, you know, this world devouring god that floats through space eating planets and, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, you know, we have we have some fun stuff around it. You know, we have some. I, I, actually, I won't go into that. Uh, that's a bit of a secret for for later on in the year. But um, <laughs> we're going to do some stuff around the giant space monster as well as the game. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just just a cool game, a cool name. We we liked it. It yeah. fit. So it is a cool name. Um, before we move on to your your current project, the current game. A bit of a crazy question, but I'll be interested to hear what you've got to say for this. If you yeah. could step inside any of your games that you've made in the past, any any you know any of the games in your long career, and you could live there for a day, which would you choose and why? Which game would you choose? Oh, that is a that is a horrible question. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I'd like to spend any time in any of my games. I mean, they're all pretty messed up. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a big um, Stallone fan. How about Cliffhanger, for example? <laughs> well, yeah, if I want to, you know, outrun avalanches and, and <laughs> kill everything, you know, that, that's the thing, right? I mean, these are all twisted realities and, and strange fantasies full of danger and death. True, actually, um, yeah, yeah. Most of your games, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even even this current one, you know, uh, Immortal Darkness, with all of its backstory we have this huge elaborate story and world and everything and, yeah. and characters and and but you know would i want to spend a day there i don't think so it's full of vampires <laughs> and, and... i've seen the video i wouldn't want to spend a day there <laughs> definitely <laughs> exactly you know. that, that's a tough question that is a tough question i have to say but <laughs> <laughs> um all right well let's move on to immortal darkness it, it was this a game that's always been in the back of your mind? Was this the big project that you're desperate to get your teeth into? Um, how did it, how did the first idea? What was the first spark for this game? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the game, the idea for the game, the desire to make the game. I mean, it just goes back decades, literally. I mean, Dame and I are both, you know, complete RPG D and D. Dungeon crawler nerds, you know, we, yeah. we, we love the genres. We, we, we play lots of the games and we've, you know, we've, um, we've played countless D and D campaigns and, and this game kind of comes out of that. I mean, that's one half of it, right? Yeah. Um, that, that gives us, you know, the, the, the idea of what we want to make. Um, but then on the other side, you know, we wanted to kind of, like write a do it, like make a, a love letter or or pay a homage to those all those games and and write something that would be incredibly proud of like it's almost like our magnum opus right it's like that that uh, pour thirty plus years of experience and game making knowledge into one <laughs> one game yeah. you know, and see what we can do you know if we we're totally untethered unfettered we you know we're basically making the rules and. We can do what our, we we like within within reason and the the limited resources we had, of course. I mean, because there are only two of us for the first year and a half on the game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it was born out of that. It was born out of that desire. You know, um, we were both fed up. We both wanted to make something cool, and this is the game we've always always wanted to make. You know. I mean, I've seen 
the YouTube clip. I've seen the video. The, 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 it looks brilliant. I have to say, it's it's right up my alley. Actually, sort of game. Uh, <laughs> how would you explain the style of the game? If it, obviously you know people are listening to this now, how would you explain the style? Maybe give a really brief rundown of the plot as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's a it's a dark fantasy dungeon crawler, um, yeah. like a dark Zelda. You know, it's inspired by all those old games like Baldur's Gate and Zelda and and uh, writings of, of Moorcock and Lovecraft, you know, so it's it's all tied up with that stuff. Um, and we, we set out to kind of write, write it, you know, make a game that blends like the best of old school dungeon crawlers, but with modern graphics, you know, state-of-the-art graphics, 3D graphics, uh, have a real slick combat system, really great audio, um, and, you know, uh, tactical combat, Lots of spells, lots of effects, um, puzzles, traps, enemies, bosses—you know, yeah. just the good old-fashioned, meaty, story-driven adventure game. Um, and it's actually what we've ended up with. I mean, it's exactly what we set out to make. Um, it's a big game. There's probably about twenty hours of gameplay in it. There's nice. um, oh, just a staggering amount of stuff, content in there. Uh, and it's all overlaid with a really deep story as well. If you're interested in in story and that kind of stuff, you can play the game either way. You can play it with or without the story. It's still a good game, even if you don't pay attention. But uh, the story is is very deep. You know, um, we actually brought in uh, a guy called Ted Peterson. I don't know if you heard if you heard of him. He, he actually uh, was one of the original designers on the Elder Scrolls game. Oh, wow. He was a fantastic writer. And, and world builder and you know he's done some amazing work in the past and we brought him in to you know to help us with, with world build with uh, sorry <laughs> with world building yeah uh fleshing out the lore and uh you know the backstories and stuff of all the characters for the game mm. um so yeah and, and the game is it's set in this really rich universe it's it's takes place uh, on a world called ald Mm-hmm. Um, which is under siege by the vampire, and they've destroyed and devoured pretty much everything, all but a few remaining strongholds of civilization. Um, there's truly very little left, uh, and the world's last hope is uh, Shade, who is the the main character in the game that you play. Uh, and they are an ancient and legendary vampire hunter, um, and they have been bitten and cursed uh, in one of the last epic battles against the vampire forces. Uh, basically, Shade has helped the living claim a stalemate, you know, helping them drive the vampire back uh, to their you know, stronghold base, uh, which is where the game takes place, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so you're Shade. Um, you're struggling against your, this curse. You've been bitten. You're struggling against the curse in the game. Uh, but the curse actually gives you the ability to basically harvest and drink the blood of the, your slain enemies wow. uh, while you're playing the game. So, you know, you're going around, you're killing things, and you can drink their blood, and you can heal yourself. Um, but it has a pretty steep price, because every time you drink, it pulls you closer, uh, nearer to becoming a full vampire and, and succumbing, you know, to the curse, ultimately. Wow. Um, so there's this there's this, uh, this nice, you know, mechanic that comes into play in balancing the game where you're, you're balancing 
this curse against staying alive and you know um and, and, it, and it plays out pretty good um and then you know the whole thing takes place in this really twisted kind of weird messed up dark dungeon uh full of really awful things um but all drawn in kind of a cute chibi kind of style so it's kind yeah. of a weird you know just juxtaposition between this the art style which is you know, we wanted to be reminiscent of old 2D tile games, mm. um, but you've got you know this dark story and and lots of blood, basically. <laughs> well, that sounds really good. I mean, I was going to ask you, how are you going to try and make this game stand out from the crowd? Because obviously, RPGs are quite a popular genre. But the way you're describing it there, I think you kind of answered that question already. It just it sounds the good story. It sounds interesting, original aspects there. <laughs> yeah, like the vampire aspect sounds really interesting, actually. So, um, I mean, is there anything else you want to add to that, Chris? I mean, it, it, it sounds excellent so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of original stuff in. I mean, games, you know, it's difficult to be original in games. Truly original. Yeah. I mean, truly original games come along once in a blue moon. You know. Uh, and what we really set out to do on this game is just make the best damn dungeon crawler we could. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it literally was that. You know, uh, you know, with with a handful of unique and interesting mechanics that make the game fun. And I think that's pretty much what makes us stand out. Is you know, it, it's a big, elaborate, involved story. Um, it looks good. It plays good. Um, and hopefully, you know, we've made something that you know underlines a genre i mean that, actually that that you can cut that that sounds pretty arrogant <laughs> but, but you know you know what i mean it's, i know what you mean yeah yeah no brilliant um you obviously you you're deep at the programming side of things is that what else who else have you got on your team then what's the exact role what's your exact role and i appreciate your team's grown a little bit over the last few is it a few months then yeah so um my role's interesting. Oh, I'm a coder, obviously. I'm a programmer. That's that's what I'm. Yeah. My main job on the project. Um, and uh, I also do the production side of things and the business side of stuff uh, as well. Uh, that's actually becoming more prominent now. The game's done, and we're you know we're just kind of in the yeah, yeah. in the polishing stages because everything's moving over to marketing and production. You know that kind of uh, rubbish that that's not really that pleasant. Right. Certainly not as fun as making the game. Um, and then, you know, we just have like the most amazing team members. You know, Damon, obviously, my partner, he's art and design. He's amazing. He's got decades of experience. You know, he's worked for some incredible companies on some incredible tiles. And, you know, he's bringing all of his experience and expertise to bear on the game. Um, you know, we added, added Ted for story. Um, yep. he's, He's he's just running with it, you know. He's, he's making up all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, and then you know we have a uh, we have this amazing musician, uh, Jan uh, Glenbotsky. He's based out of uh, Tokyo in Japan. He's a German fella, and uh, you know he's a classically trained uh, orchestra musician, and yep. he's put together you know a soundtrack for us that just just blows me away every time I hear it. Um, you know, and, and he's helped me kind of build a, a really cool dynamic 
kind of context-driven audio system for the game where the, the, the music and the audio changes all the time depending on what's happening in the game. And uh, it, it just all weaves together to make this really dense, lovely, you know, atmospheric audio foundation to the game. It's really great. And now, you know, we've got some other people. We've got uh, we, we've added some contractor illustrators, you know, to do some artwork for us and visual effects like uh and uh yeah um, we've got we've got a project we've got a, a community manager we've added a marketing person we've added you know so we're, we're you know we're kind of building a proper team we've built a proper team should i say good good on you chris it, it, i think it, it sounds like it's all coming together really well isn't it so and you mentioned the game's finished is that fair it's, it's all done yeah, it's done. It's feature complete. Uh, we're, we're kind of in between alpha and beta right now. Yeah. Uh, so it's all bug fixing, um, polishing, tweaking, balancing the game, making sure it plays well. I mean, it's you know, it's a fair bit of complexity in the game with all the spells and the storylines and factions and uh, there's quests. You know, it, it's a big, complicated game. Um, so a lot, lot of stuff just to you know button up. And you know, polish, and that's where we are right now. And we we're looking at a, an October uh, kind of Halloween time release for the game, so we've got a couple of months left, you know, to really nail it. Good stuff. I mean, I'm I'm a huge Zelda fan, and I've just been playing Link to the Past recently, and this it it looks kind of similar to that sort of style, top down. Obviously, yours is uh, much sharper graphics, but would you say? I think you mentioned earlier that Zelda's a bit of an inspiration for it. What other sort of games were really the back of your mind for making this? Well, yeah, Zelda, Baldur's Gate, Dungeon Master, you know, yep. all the countless D&D campaigns, you know. Um, you know, we're just, we're just fantasy RPG nuts, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, a funny thing, the, the game turned out exactly how we wanted it to turn out. Mm. But a lot of, a lot of that was kind of driven by, uh, practical, you know, choices, the resources that we had. There are just two of us and what we could do in the time we had, you know, yeah. uh, and some of those that actually drove some of the decisions like on the art, you know, the art kind of looks like a 2D tile game. Everything's, everything's built around, you know, blocks. Um, and it gives it a very distinctive look which we like and which we, you know, we actually wanted to go for, but it had a very practical upside. It yeah. made map building very easy and quick, you know, for example. So a few of the decisions we made were, were, were very practical, but, you know, our end game, uh, what we really want to do, uh, and if this game, you know, is it even moderately successful, uh, we, we want to do a sequel that's more RPG, you know, this is RPG light. Yeah. It's more dungeon crawl than RPG. Um, it has RPG elements, it has quests and stuff like that. But the next game that we already have kind of designed out and fleshed uh, and roughed out at least is uh, kind of a full on, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, more, more like what we want to do. So. Oh, good stuff. Um, when, have you got a date in mind? When do you hope to get Immortal Darkness released to the public? And what platforms would you like the game to be released on? Yeah, so we're shooting for Halloween this year, so October um, yep. time, mid to late October. Um, it's going to be on PC, uh, released on Steam to start with. Yeah. Uh, but if it does okay, 
uh, there'll be an Xbox version and a PlayStation 4 version and then a, maybe a Switch version. Yeah. Uh, but it, it all depends on how the, the game does, obviously. Because, um, you yeah, know, doing additional versions takes time, effort, and money. So. Well, I wish you, honestly, I wish you the best of luck. It does look brilliant. Um, I, if you could tell, I mean, I've, I've been on your website. Can you, can you just tell our listeners where is the best place to keep up to date on this game? Where, where, what website should they go on to? Any twi- Twitter accounts, for example, stuff like that? Yeah, we have a, we have a bunch of stuff, actually. I mean, we have, um, we have our Steam page yeah. up. Uh, that's probably the, the best place. I mean, cause that's where the game will be sold and, you know, we'll be kind of, working you know trying to build a community on that around steam and you know and we'll be updating uh, there a lot we also have you know our, our main website immortaldarkness.com yeah um and that you know that has links and will lead you to all the various places we have you know twitter indiedb facebook you know all of that stuff um and they all get updated um we have a pretty rich um kind of stream of content that we're going to be releasing over the next few months uh, to the community, you know, um, got prize giveaways. We've got some really cool prizes nice. to give away with competitions coming up. Um, so, yeah, and we also have a, we have an email newsletter you can sign up for. In fact, if you go to the immortaldarkness.com website, it'll take you to our sign-up initially, give you an opportunity to just sign up for our uh, our newsletter. Um, we don't spam people. We, do, we just send an email out once a month uh, with an update. Good stuff. So, so, yeah, lots of places to keep in, you know, keep in touch and, and get involved. I mean, we like to hear from, you know, players and, and the community, what they think. And so, yeah. Nice one, Chris. We'll we push people towards that, don't you worry. Um, I was going to ask about if there was a potential sequel in the works. You've kind of answered that already, actually. Uh, I hope, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope, I, you know, I'm desperate to, to see this game. I'm going to be playing it. Don't you worry about that. And it sounds like a game right up my alley. So, um, is there any other projects you're working on or that you can reveal or is, is that kind of under wraps as well? Yeah. I mean, my entire life is this game right now. Um, yeah. you know, we've, we've done some work on the, the second game. A little bit, you know, yep. pencil stuff in. We've got we've got a bunch of ideas, um, like a, a big working document uh, that that we play with from time to time and dump stuff in. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, the focus is all this every day, all day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not much, you know, brain bandwidth for anything else really until this is out of the way. Yeah. And probably this is gonna you know, be something that I'm working on for a, probably a couple of years actually with other versions. Yeah, and, and I'll totally hook you up with a copy. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Um, I'd love to ask, actually, out of all the games you've worked on, I mean, there must have been some of you, 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 back, you know, back in your past that you've really enjoyed. And where where does this game rank regarding excitement, challenge? Uh, is this top of the tree for you? Is it, is it, where would you rank it for you? Uh, yeah, it is. It has to be. I mean, because yeah. this is... Uh, literally the culmination of 35 years making games and you know this is everything this is all of me poured into a game you know it's my own company um so yeah i mean there's been incredible moments you know adventures all the way through but you know this is you know this is right now this is the focus and and it is everything that I've wanted. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really get better than this, to be honest with you. Uh, 
Um, yeah, good on you, Chris. It sounds like if if you're <laughs> if, if if you're fans of Chris's previous work, this yeah, or, or RPGs or dungeon crawlers, definitely check it out because this is like this is Chris at his best. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. You know, I hope people I hope people get it and they they take it for what it is. It's it's just a it's just hopefully a, a good, enjoyable game to play, you know, um, and and that's the idea. We hope people enjoy it. I mean, we're yeah. ma- we're making it kind of for ourselves, but like I said, it's a love letter, yeah. And and we want everyone to play it and enjoy it if they can. So good on you. Uh, a couple of questions. I think another quite tough one, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> if, if you got transported, let's imagine, Chris, you got transported into your game, <laughs> into a mortal darkness, into the labyrinth. And you had to choose a video game character by your side to help you escape. And you can't choose the, is it Shade you said? You can't choose the current character. You could choose any yeah. character in any other video game. Who would you choose and why to help you escape the labyrinth? Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I don't know. This is, this is a very hard question. I mean, cause there are, there are so many options. Here, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, you kind of got me on this question. I mean, I, I actually, I, I've actually been, you know, thinking about this a little bit, and uh, I, I, I just can't come up with anything that's. Uh... It is a t- you might have to go alone then, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's not so bad, um, provided I've, I've got all the cheat codes. That's right, and you know the maps quite well, to be fair. I suppose. Right, yeah, yeah, I think I'd be able to, I'd be able to survive long enough. <laughs> yeah, you go solo, definitely. Um, yeah, that is, that is just a really hard question. I mean, you know, where there's utility everywhere, you yeah. know, and there's, there's reasons to take. Yeah, that's difficult. <laughs> I'm sorry if I <laughs> ask some tough questions. Right, the final question before we say goodbye, we ask it to all our guests. Um, it's another crazy one, unfortunately, Chris, but you had this group roll with the punches. If you could share a few drinks with a video game character, who would you choose and why? Oh God! <laughs> All right. Uh, let me think about this. Um. Well, again, it's a, it's a hard question. I mean, maybe Link. Yeah. Um. I, I would definitely know, drink a Link. I bet, yeah, I bet they've got a lot of stories, you know, to share, especially over a drink. Definitely, he's a quiet man usually, but after a few beers, maybe he start talking. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Tough question again. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not yeah. good on these, these kinds of questions because there's too much, too many, uh, too many options. There, there is. It's, it's countless options. Um, look, Chris, I know you're a busy man. We're, 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 we're <laughs> I do appreciate your time. And honestly, Immortal Darkness looks brilliant. I'm not just saying that. It's a game that really, uh, ticks a lot of my boxes, definitely. So I'll be checking that out. Thanks. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, honestly. And, uh, but yeah, hopefully we stay in touch and um, good luck with your future projects as well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, exciting stuff ahead, I think. Nice one, Chris. Thank you so much. Goodbye. All right, cheers. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow82, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcadeattackuk. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top tens, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. 
Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and from SoundCloud and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.